Don't you just hate the hassle of car buying? Make it easy by finding your financing first. Hi, I'm Kevin Chapman. As a member of the City of Boston Credit Union for over two decades, I know that they always put their members first with some of the most competitive car rates around. You can figure out what you want to spend before you even go shopping. Come visit the City of Boston Credit Union at cityofbostoncu.com and apply today. Or call 617-635-4545. City of Boston Credit Union. Uniquely Boston. Equal Opportunity Lender. WROL Boston. It's time for the car doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor. John Paul on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Unless you're listening on Sunday night, then it's AM 1260 WBIX. And if you're out on the Saturday morning, the Saturday morning before, the day before Christmas, I guess technically, it is in the uh, vernacular of uh, my Boston friends, it's wicked slippery out. Uh, Be careful if you're out there. The treated roads aren't bad. Uh, but right here in Marina Bay at the little rotary in the middle, there is a fairly good-looking F-150 up in the middle of the rotary while two tires are up on the rotary. It looks like he spun around, took one tire out, back tire came off when he hit the other side of it. Uh, the inner fender well's laying on the ground, and he's outside standing on his cell phone not looking happy. So if you're out, if you're out on Saturday morning, be careful out there. The, like I said, major roadways, the highways are fine. They've been treated um, But uh, I stopped at the uh, local stop and shop to get the paper and something to drink, and uh, their parking lot was also glare ice. So if you're out there and you're doing any early morning shopping, anything like that, just be be careful. Uh, In just a couple of weeks, uh, January 11th through Monday the 15th, the 2018 New England International Auto Show will be taking place at the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center. And with us on the phone is our buddy Chris Russell. Chris, good morning, and welcome back to the Car Doctor Program. Good morning, and thank you, and ho, ho, ho. Ho, 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 yeah, exactly. And I uh, hope, uh, hope Santa has uh, has uh, studded reindeer hooves or something. <laughs> Actually, Santa told me this is the perfect stocking stuffer. Tickets to the auto show. Yeah, I think I think you might be on to something. We're going to be giving some. We've been giving some away off and on over the past couple of weeks, and we have some more to give away. And but yeah, the uh, the 2018 Boston Auto Show is coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, can you give us kind of a recap of what people will see there? Absolutely. This year's show it's the uh, Martin Luther King weekend at the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center, and uh, so Thursday through Monday. And this year we have a lot. Of vehicles under that one roof and some of them you can drive and some of them you can just absolutely drool over um hypercar highway is something that might be a once in a lifetime event uh we've got in a collection of vehicles like eight vehicles well over 10 million dollars in value and if you've never seen a bugatti 
or a Ferrari or a Pagani or a Koenigsegg up close and personal, this is your opportunity. I can I can pronounce three out of four of those. <laughs> I had a Google check over myself. Yeah, those those are phenomenal I cars. Egg, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those those are phenomenal cars, and those are cars that you know you you know super celebrities have, super sports figures have. Those are ridiculously expensive cars, and those are cars that honestly you might see at a an LA show or a Detroit show, uh, but you know maybe not in Boston. But this is fantastic having these cars here in Boston. It's like an art collection that finally comes together. You might see a piece here or there, but to see six or seven or eight of these come together, it's really special. And I, I think that's really going to draw a lot of people to the show this year. Yeah, it really is. And then there's the then there's the new cars. Um, is there any kind of theme going, going on with the uh, new cars this year? The theme seems to be that all of the autonomous technologies that we've heard about in the past have matriculated down to every vehicle on the show floor. So now when you go from different badge to different badge, you will see how every vehicle now has some form of connectivity, some autonomy to it, and all the safety features that come to benefit the vehicle as well. Yeah, and and the other thing I would guess is, you know, as I look at cars, you know, every third car is a is a hybrid or a plug-in electric or something. And, uh, you know, it used to be that, you know, those cars were s- somewhat special, but now you go out and you buy a Volvo, it, it has a plug in the front of it where you can plug it in and charge charge up the battery pack. Uh, we're starting to see a lot of those, right? It's remarkable. As I'm typing up the vehicle list each day, how many vehicles are, you know, plug-ins and uh, the PHEVs and the hybrids and all these different types of uh, technologies that we finally have. Um, they're coming together, and it's exciting. And also, just the comfort of these vehicles, I'm noticing. You know, what's happened is, is the vehicles, because of the aluminum getting lighter and stronger, and the designs have gotten a little bit broader, the interiors have gotten bigger as well, and they're very comfortable. And just all the modern digital amenities that you can have now in your car, uh, they're all on display at the auto show. And it, it literally starts from the lower-level cars all the way up to these hypercars we're talking about. You know, not to steal one of your lines, but I'm going to. Uh, one ticket and how many seats to sit in? One ticket, 500 rides. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but, yeah, and the best thing about the auto show, different than when you go to a car dealership and, you, you know, and, you know, first thing, you know, you walk in and uh, you get pounced upon or, you know, you want to go look at something and they want to see your driver's license and they want to look at this and they want to do. Uh, the auto show, There's it's no pressure. Go and sit in different cars. Go and look in different cars. Talk to the people at the stands. And uh, most of the folks are remarkably well-versed in the cars that they're presenting. Their, their official title is product specialist. And that means that they're trained specialists on all the vehicles on display, and they have iPads. Sometimes they have to cheat, but I'll tell you what. Try to stump the product specialist. They know just about everything you can ask about whatever truck or vehicle you're looking at, and they're able to describe it in a no-pressure way, and they, they, they want your family to enjoy it and open up the trunk and kick the tires. It's part of the experience for them, and they're just there to make sure that you learn as much about the vehicle as possible. And it's one of those things like uh, when, you know, my wife and I were thinking about replacing a car a while back and, 
you were looking for small convertibles, and one of my wife's criteria was it had to be able to fit a beach chair in the back of it without getting sand inside the car, so it had to go in the trunk. <laughs> and you know, and it was kind of funny. We walked over to the mini display, and we were just kind of joking with the uh, woman at the display, and she's like, she's like, no, pretty sure, pretty sure a beach chair wouldn't fit. But she was like, let's look, how big is it? And she was ridiculously helpful for such a weird request. And what year was that? Oh, that was, I don't know, a couple of years, three or four years ago, maybe? Okay. Yeah. The iPads now that they have, there's a, a digital technology. So some of them actually have 3D displays. And so they can demonstrate to you um, digitally what can, can't go inside the vehicles. Wow. Wow. That's, really, that's it, yeah. It depends on which line it is. Mm. Yes. Some actually, the information they can show you on the iPad will give you a better sense of, yes, what is possible. So, yeah, you can actually experience the ride, sit behind the wheel, feel what that new car smell, and feel what it feels like to be behind the wheel. But if you're having the questions like, hey, can I pack this to get to the beach? They're able to help you with those type of questions, too, the practical stuff, because they just want you to have the best fit. Right, right. And in years past, you guys also had some classic cars there. Are you going to do that again this year? This year, we're going to flex some muscle. So uh, two different ways. One, on Monday... Martha the King Day from 12 to 2, recently retired two-time Super Bowl Patriot uh, champion Rob Minkovich will be there to sign autographs and meet with the public. So uh, we got some big muscle there. Yep. But then just a few feet away, we're going to have the Muscle Car Showcase, which is sponsored by Scrub-A-Dub, who's the official car wash of the 2018 New England International Auto Show. And that will have several vehicles, uh, including... Uh, I've got a Shelby Mustang, a GT500 from 1967. Mm. Beautiful red. Um, and also there's this orange Pontiac GTO, 1969, called the Judge. That seems to have a lot of character. So uh, we've got some vehicles coming from not just the New England area, but actually from uh, different parts of the Midwest. I think they're making win-win appearances, debuts. Wow. Uh, so different types of muscle cars that you wouldn't normally see. So this really isn't this really is an all family show. This is you know if you want to if you want to go and look at some cool older cars, you want to look at muscle cars. You're a sports fan. If you want to uh, go and uh, uh, you know want to meet Rob Minkovich, you can go on uh, you can go on Monday and and do that. Uh, but it is it is really a kind of a family event. It isn't it? Isn't a bunch of guys you know looking at hot rods? This, these are you see a ton of families at these events. You really do, and actually, it reflects in the ride and drive event when you see which vehicles are being um, brought to the event. So this year we've got the largest ride and drive event ever. I think we've got over 20 vehicles. It's Toyota, Mazda, Mini, Kia, and Chevrolet. And they're not bringing, well, some of them are bringing, you know, Mini obviously, so he's bringing, a, you know, like a countryman or a clubman. Yeah. But the other vehicles are bigger. They're meant for families. They're meant for people to really try and test out and zip around the uh, convention center. They're bigger vehicles, um, like the Traverse and the uh, Equinox. So... You can just see right there that the family is just from the beginning they get there. Um, they, even some of the freebies that they'll be getting if they do a test drive, mm-hmm. the complimentary gifts and the bags that they get inside the show and all that kind of fun stuff. So it really is fun for the whole family. It's a good uh, opportunity to go down and actually look at the new cars and uh, get that new car smell. And uh, just yesterday I was emailed by a woman who wanted to know what kind of vehicles were there. Her 10-year-old son is into exotics. And so... Uh, once I confirmed a couple of vehicles, next thing you know, she was online buying tickets. So it's one of those type of vehicle shows as well for families. Well, let's talk about that. How do you buy tickets? Very simply. Just go to uh, bostonautoshow.com. You'll see a button that says buy tickets. And from there, you can buy tickets for $15 for adults, children, 
six, six to twelve or six dollars, and anyone under six, they're free. How about that? Uh, that sounds that sounds good. And of course, you can buy them. Free you, in the Seaport District. Who knew? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and and of course, you can you can also uh, buy them at the gate. You can buy them at the gate yep. as well. Yep. Um, buy them at the gate. I'll tell you, buy them online. You'll save yourself some time. That's always nice. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, we do have a box office right there as well, so you can stand in line and get them at there. And um, if you listen to the car doctor, you might actually win them. You might. You, you might win some. You're absolutely right. And the other thing is, for people who haven't been to the Seaport District in a while, uh, maybe they maybe they went when the convention center first opened up. It has completely changed down there, and it is still a work in progress. But there is more. It's The seaport's a whole destination area down there now. It changes every week, every month. We try to keep track of what type of restaurants are down there, uh, what type of stores are down there, so we can, you know, tell our product specialists when they're visiting the city right. or our guests who are visiting the show, hey, go try this restaurant. It just it's getting bigger and more vast every time, and there are more opportunities for just – it's not just the expense accounts either. You can go there with the family, and they've got, you know, the uh, Shake Shacks of the world. Yep. And the Sweet Gardens, so it's healthy options as well. So it's, it's become a family destination in a sense. Um, and also it's so close to so many good different neighborhoods in the city of Boston that you're coming a, a little bit of a distance. Yeah, go to the other show, and then uh, maybe you can Uber it over to uh, Chinatown. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. The, you know, I, and I've always said, you know, the the auto show is a is a day long event or more, depending on you know how you want to look at it. But if you're somebody who wants to take a quick walk through, maybe have a couple of cars in mind, uh, and then you can you can easily spend the rest of the day kind of wandering around the seaport, even in the middle of winter time. Uh, there there is just that much more stuff. I was down I was down around there, ooh, I don't know, two weeks ago, I think, and. I, I hadn't I hadn't really been anywhere in that area other than I think to the Seaport Hotel a, you know within the last year and I was amazed at the amount of uh, new stuff going in like you said uh, restaurants that go anywhere from the Shake Shack to uh, you know the best steakhouses. Yep, and movie theaters uh, coming in pretty soon. I was looking at a website yesterday about that. Um, so it's really it's not going to be a neighborhood per se, mm-hmm. but it will be a destination where you can go and have family entertainment and have access to the rest of the city of Boston as well. Yeah, it really is. And and for people who want to uh, take the tea in, I believe it's the Silver Line? Yes, sir. You know, as as, as somebody, and I'll, I'll admit this just to you because it's just you and I talking, I've never been on the tea. You've never really? Never been on the tea. Well, you are the car doctor. I know, I know. So, but uh, and people say, "What do you mean you live you you almost live in Boston? You've never been on the tea." I'm like, "Well, you know, I just and now it's you know now it's the point where it's now it's a you know it's a badge of honor now. You know, you're not I getting can't change the tire. So there we are. Yeah, there you go. Hey, Chris. <laughs> um, so you know, just to go over the basics again, the show's going to start uh, Thursday, January 11th. Uh, what time? Four o'clock. Four o'clock. And, and it's going to go uh, straight through till uh, Monday. Yep, the fifteenth, and we close at six p.m. that day. There you go. So, so at ten a.m. every morning. So one ticket, right. one ticket, five hundred cars, uh, a bunch of cars that very few people can afford. Maybe Rob Minkovich can Dinkovich can afford them, but uh, uh, but other than that, uh, cars that you can you can look at, you can drool over, and just be amazed at. Uh, 
all of the cars that are there from, you know, the most inexpensive to, um, you know, like you said, some of the most expensive cars in the world. And all in one location in a beautiful venue. If you haven't been to the auto show since the Bayside Expo Center, uh, the Boston Convention Center is a pretty unique place. Yeah, please go online. You'll see the photos. It really is the perfect stocking stuff for somebody. It, it, it really is. It really is. And taking place almost at the same time as the RV show, right? Actually, yeah, we're simultaneous. Uh, from Friday to Monday, we do have the Boston RV and Camping Expo. Thank you for mentioning that. And uh, I'll tell you, that is just a sea of campers. It starts a day later because it takes so long to get all of those recreational vehicles into mm. the Boston Convention Center Exhibit Hall. Um, but we're going to have just about every type of destination trail you can imagine there, um, campsites from all over the region. And uh, it's just, if you're into recreation vehicles and if you're into camping, it's really a one-stop shop. I, I can joke it's New England's largest indoor campsite. Yeah, I, I can't take my wife there because she opens up every cabinet door and every RV. Yeah. <laughs> when you open up now, you see digital television. Oh, yeah, and, it's, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. Fire. Yeah. Yeah, you know, washer and dryers, you know, it's like it's like they stuff all this stuff inside an RV and it's a, it's amazing. And, you know, if you're somebody who's closing in on retirement age and you said, you know, you know, maybe that idea of buying an RV and traveling the country, this is a good way to look at those too. I'll tell you what, all those RVs that come into that expo hall are unsold and then they leave sold. Yeah. Yeah, that that that's an interesting point. Buy, yeah. They know it's the time to buy a recreational vehicle. Yep. No, fantastic stuff. So uh, for more information online, it's bostonautoshow.com. And if people want information about the RV show, where do they go for that? BostonRVExpo.com. BostonRVExpo.com. Chris, thank you very much for taking some time out of your Saturday. Have a Merry Christmas and Happy Holiday, and see you at the show. Fantastic, sir. Thank you, and may have a prosperous and purposeful new year. You as well. Take care. Bye-bye now. Sure thing. That was Chris Russell. He is... uh, one of the guys over at the Paragon Group, the Paragon Group, in conjunction with the Mass State Auto Dealers Association, uh, put this whole auto show together, and they do uh, they do a, a few shows all across the country. And Barbara Putney is uh, the person I've known over there for a long time, and um, and you might recognize Chris Russell's voice before. He's he's been around for a while, but he also they also did the Connecticut show, and he joined us for that. Why don't we take a break, pay some bills, play some Christmas music, maybe? Because I think we have some. And, uh, you know, I, I looked over in the corner. It looks like there's a little uh, little Christmas gifts. I, I don't think there's one for me, though. But you never know. All right, we'll be right back. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, The Spirit of Boston. Merry Christmas, come this time each year.
The more our family grew, the smaller our old car got. So we upgraded to a Honda Odyssey. It's from Kelly Blue Book's 2016 Best Value brand and comes with standard features like Bluetooth, so my wife can remind me of all the things I've forgotten to bring home. Ah, the diapers. Go to www.hondacarsofboston.com or 100 Broadway, Route 99 in Everett, Mass. Call 617-276-1179. Based on 2016 Burn Image Awards from Kelly Blue Book, visit kbb.com for information. See dealer for financing details. Sullivan Tire is ringing in the holidays with terrific deals on quality tires. Receive $100 in instant savings on a set of four Goodyear tires. Plus, get up to a $200 mail-in rebate on select tires, such as the Goodyear Weather Ready Tire, Goodyear's best all-weather traction tire for anything winter has in store. Remember, our ASC certified technicians are the best in the business and will keep your vehicle running right all season long. Check out our new website, SullivanTire.com, where it's now easier than ever to find your tires online and make service appointments. That's SullivanTire.com. Hi, I'm Kevin Chapman. You know, I make my living in Hollywood, but I choose to keep my money with the City of Boston Credit Union. As a member for over two decades, I put my family's trust in the City of Boston Credit Union with four full-service branches, including their latest in Canton. Check out the City of Boston Credit Union at cityofbostoncu.com and see how you, too, can become a member today. City of Boston Credit Union. Uniquely Boston. Federally insured by NCUA. Beginning Saturday, December 9th, be sure to tune in to a new show called Cross-Check Substance Abuse Radio with host Kevin Stevens, who is an NHL three-time all-star hockey legend and a recovering addict. The mission of this weekly show is to help uncover the mask of addiction with honest talk, testimony, and techniques to power forward to recovery. Cross-Check Substance Abuse Radio airs Saturday from 2 to 3 p.m. on Boston's 1260 AM, The Buzz, and on WEZE 590 AM, The Word, from 3 to 4 p.m. Come join WROL for the Keep the Faith Christmas Marathon. Featuring artists such as Amy Grant, Third Day, Chris Tomlin, Mercy Me, and many more. Tune in nightly up through Christmas. On 950 AM WROL, the spirit of Boston. You're listening to The Car Doctor. Got some mistletoe hung from the bow of the boat. Stockings are filled with sunshine rays. It's Christmas in Blue Chair Bay. There's lights up in every pond. My soul, like the sea, is calm. Tonight we're going to the boat parade. It's Christmas in Blue Chair Bay. And welcome back. Uh, I don't think we're at Blue Chair Bay. I'm not sure where that is, but knowing Kenny Chesney, it's in St. Something or other. Saint, he was, I don't know, wherever he was, his house got ruined by the hurricane. So, yeah, his big stone mansion thing got blown away by the hurricane. So, But he's, he's I know he's doing a lot. I think he's in St. John's. And he's, you know, must be nice to be a millionaire country star because he's flying supplies back and forth to the islands all the time so good for him so we'll play a little more christmas music because it is that you know how often do we get to do that you know right now that's it 
We are going to give away some uh, tickets to the Boston Auto Show or the Boston RV Show. Um, I hate to kill Jeff here, but um, we have some to give away. Instead of trying to win them, how about the first three people who call in can, uh, can have tickets to the Boston Auto Show? And Jeff can take care of that, and I'll take care of some other business here. And you, can, and you don't have to, you don't even have to do anything. You just have to you just have to be there. That's all. And let's talk about the car that got me around the last uh, last uh, few days or a few days last week. I guess is the best way to say it, which is the Hyundai Santa Fe. Not to be confused with the Hyundai Santa Fe Sport. Uh, this is a three-row SUV that can seat up to seven occupants. The first two rows are, of seats are very comfortable, but the third row is probably better suited to kids or shorter adults. Cargo area is very good unless all three rows of seats are in use. With all the seats folded, there's a very impressive 80 cubic feet of cargo volume. This drops down to a sort of tidy 13.5 cubic feet when all the seats are in use. The controls are nicely arranged with decent-sized knobs and buttons for the major control as well as some redundant steering wheel mounted controls. The Santa Fe comes in three trim levels, SE, SE Limited, and the subject of our road test, the Limited Ultra with all-wheel drive. There were some luxury features throughout, uh, heated and cooled leather seats, large navigation screen, premium sound with real wood accents uh, on the dash, uh, standard panoramic sunroof, uh, which is huge, by the way, also helps... Uh, open up the interior. It's a big vehicle inside. This, where the Hyundai Santa Fe uh, was about the same vehicle for a bunch of years, um, they came out with the Santa Fe Sport, which replaces the the normal Santa Fe. And then this new Santa Fe replaces the bigger version, which I believe was called the Veracruz. So it's sort of a bigger three-seat version with the same name, a little con- or almost the same name, a little confusing. All models of the Santa Fe are powered by the same 3.3-liter V6 engine that develops 290 horsepower. That's, you know, it, it, there was a time when horsepower was sort of limited. Now everything's got almost 300 horsepower. It's connected to a six-speed automatic transmission. Uh, I think... Um, Hyundai may be a little behind on the transmission front where we're seeing 7, 8, 9, and 10-speed transmissions. Uh, but the 6-speed one works really well, so if they added an extra speed or two, maybe fuel economy could come up a little bit. And that's where maybe this falls down a little. Um, EPA rates it at 17 city and 22 miles per gallon on the highway. I was doing about 20, 21 miles per gallon according to the computer printout. Safety is addressed with a full complement of airbags, automatic emergency braking with pedestrian detection, lane departure warning, dynamic bending, high-intensity discharge headlights. Uh, so you, if you, uh, I was in Fitchburg a couple weeks ago, and you know, this is when I was driving the car, and I had to take a U-turn in a in a kind of dark, deserted parking lot, and it was kind of interesting to see the headlights sort of turn with the wheel. A little bit more than uh, what I had been used to seeing in cars like uh, the Range Rover. Uh, There was once a time where I would only recommend Hyundai vehicles because of their excellent warranty and overall good value proposition. Today, Hyundai competes with any brand. The Santa Fe doesn't really excel in any one area, but as a sum of its parts, it's a very good vehicle. So does it have the best seating? No. Does it have the best fuel economy? No. Does it have the best... Um, cargo area. No, not really. Does it have the best ride of any SUV? No. But when you put all the pieces together, 
it is a very very competitive vehicle and it does it does a really good job and although santa fe is actually weirdly enough more vehicle than i need uh if i was looking for a three-row suv i would definitely look at it so you know something definitely to consider uh, our buddies over at In Control Advanced Driver Training, they had a little note they put out, um, celebrate the holidays with crash prevention training for the whole family. <laughs> and it says, seriously, it's a great time to get the family to our course. Uh, just a quick reminder that the upcoming December break is uh, often the easiest time for families to work our training into their schedule, a single half day four-and-a-half-hour class is all we need to train you and yours. We even have a few weekday dates um, for some college-age kids that maybe they might be getting home. So if you want more information, driveincontrol.org. Uh, remember, they're doing classes in South Weymouth and North Andover. Um, I was in Plymouth yesterday afternoon doing something with uh, Plymouth Area Cable, PAC TV, I think it's called. And um, we, were, uh, we were talking, and, and the camera guy was just at, uh, in control, doing some doing some training about you know the right way to drive in poor weather conditions and things like that. So, um, so if you're, uh, you know, if you're if you would like to try to take care of, you know, doing something interesting for your for your family, uh, trying to make your family safe, the in control advanced driver training course is a good idea. And they even they even said something which I I hadn't really thought about. It says better yet, consider sending them a fifty, seventy five, or a hundred dollar gift certificate, or even a full course gift certificate to motivate them further. Uh, they make great stocking stuffers, so I guess you could go on their website, driveincontrol.org, um, and see about maybe that last minute way to shop. Uh, might be kind of a might be kind of an interesting thing to do. Honda's recalling 900,000 Odyssey minivans for second-row seats. The, apparently, uh, Honda said it's recalling these minivans from 2011 to 2013 in North America because the second-row seats can come loose in moderate to heavy braking. Some 800,000 of those are in the United States. The issue relates to second-row seating system ability to move from side to side. Uh, the system is designed to make seating comfortable for two adults or to fit up to three children in the second row, for example. The seats have an option of being latched in either standard or wide outboard position, but if improperly latched, the seats could come loose and jerk forward. Honda says it's received 46 reports of minor injuries related to the issue. The company said it's looking into appropriate repair to ensure people uh, are latching the seats properly and they'll let Odyssey... Uh, Owners know when a fix is available. In the meantime, Honda has published detailed instructions on how to properly install and latch the second row seats. It warns owners to be sure not to latch on the center part of the uh, floor striker where they could be improperly latched to a collar or rib on the floor. So in other words, it's, it's, it has to do with what might happen, so be careful. You're listening to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. We did give away our tickets. Um to the auto show and maybe the were they just auto show tickets we gave away or rv show too no looks like just auto show well we have some rv show tickets too so if you want rv tickets you can do the same thing you can call us and say to jeff hey can i get some rv tickets and we'll give you those too because it's christmas and like uh chris said 
what a better way, what a nice little stocking stuffer. Well, you might not get them for Christmas, but you will get them before the show because I'll go to work on Tuesday and I'll type out little envelopes and I'll put them in the mail. That's how they get done, you know. It isn't, it isn't all fancy. It's, uh, it's me actually, well, typing? Well, maybe not typing, but, you know, we're, you know, on a computer. You get the idea. Um, the last Oldsmobile that came off the line is headed to the auction lane. General Motors and GM Financial will sell the 2004 Oldsmobile Alero at State Line Auto Auction in Waverly, New York. Um, also on sale, uh, and, and this is sometime this month, I guess. Also on sale will be two other last-of-its-kind Oldsmobiles, a 99 Cutlass and a 1996 Sierra. Um, after the Oleros uh, signed by the assembly workers uh, was uh, built, it rolled off the Lansing, Michigan assembly line. It went into the Arioles Transportation Museum in, in Lansing, Michigan, and then to the GM Heritage Center outside of Detroit. Access to the auction is available to any automobile dealer with the state line auto auction. So this isn't open to the public, but if you want one, you might be able to find out where it actually is. And, you know, chances are some dealer may be keeping this just to put on display uh, just to be sort of interesting, have an interesting GM car on display. But um, none of these cars really, uh, you know, the Alero, the Sierra, are those uh, those cars I'd really want to spend a lot of money on? Eh, probably not. So um, there's an article here that says, Aston, how will the Lagonda shape up? The Lagonda was kind of an interesting vehicle back in, Back when it came out, uh, as if plotting to challenge Ferrari in its mid-engine supercar arena wasn't difficult enough, Aston Martin also will brainstorm on how to best break into the stranglehold Rolls-Royce and Bentley have on the ultra-luxury ultra sedan. The two Lagonda models planned for sale in the next decade, and the last of seven cars Aston will create as part of a second-century turnaround plan, are potentially the hardest to get right. If you're going to break the duopoly of Bentley and Rolls-Royce, you have to do it with something other than a standard three-box sedan. Aston CEO Andy Palmer told Automotive News, um, just what shape that challenge will take hasn't been decided. Uh, if I was to take you next door to the uh, design studio, which he says here, which I won't, you'd see uh, concept clays. For 12 different vehicles, there's a lot of creative thought going into this. He admits that Bentley and Rolls-Royce buyers are more conservative than those of sports cars, but says younger customers in markets such as China are more open to a new approach. Hence, we need to break the three-box mold. And by three-box mold, uh, think exactly what that means. Put two boxes end-to-end and a box on top. And that's referred to as a three-box mold. So it's just about just about that simple. Um so the the uh, the two would come with electrified options, whether plug-in or, or hybrid or fully electric. Um, Aston's current four-door Rapide, based on a sports car platform, failed to make much of a dent on Bentley and Rolls-Royce since it launched about seven years ago. So something to think about. Our phone lines are open. We gave away our RV tickets. We gave away our auto show tickets. And we'll have to see. I don't. I don't want to give away something I don't have. So I'll have to see how many auto show tickets I have left. And if we have more, we'll give them away next week. Our phone number though six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. If you want to give us a call, have you ever bought a car for someone for Christmas? 
You know, you see the commercials all the time, the Lexus commercial with the bow on the on the hood. Have you ever bought one for anybody? If you have, give us a call and buy one for me. Um, Saab Assets owner NEVS to make EVs in Sweden. Uh, the National Electric Vehicle Sweden, it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, uh, which acquired the assets of Saab Auto, plans to make an electric cars at the brand's Swedish factory as it seeks to take advantage of global interest in greener vehicles. NEVS, National Electric Vehicle Sweden, uh, again, doesn't roll, really roll off the tongue, which uh, bought the remnants of the Swedish automaker after it went out of business, will make EVs at the Saab plant in Trollhattan under the NEVS brand in the second half of next year, um, the growing demand for battery-powered vehicles, NEVS is also talking to municipal governments, including those in Shanghai, uh, about setting up a secondary factory in China and is looking for into the possibility of plant in Turkey. While the Swedish location is being revived, uh, the Saab brand isn't coming back. Five years ago, NEVS uh, bought the assets of Saab, which... Uh, was split from the aerospace manufacturer Saab AB in 1990. Following a pledge last year to no longer use the Saab name, the Chinese company will use the NEVS trademark on cars that produces ending a uh, Swedish brand that introduced the first vehicle in 1949. In China, NEVS is up against uh, more than 80 rivals that are all trying to gain the upper hand in uh, the industry's rapid shift towards advanced technologies and electrification. The nation has identified new emerging vehicles as a strategic emerging industry and aims to boost annual sales of plug-in hybrids and fully electric cars tenfold in the next decade. So, again, we're going to see more and more of that. Um, I was uh, – some time back I was on Chronicle, and it was a, a segment called This or That. And it's about electric and hybrid vehicles and, you know, and gasoline vehicles and which is better. And I got a uh, – an email from the producer last night that said, oh, it's going to be on again this Thursday. Has anything really changed? And my only thought to them was, uh, no, I think what I said back in, uh, you know, back a month or two ago, whenever I said it, is about the same. But, I mean, you know, and, and again, the Tesla 3 is sort of, kind of, sort of almost come out. Not really, but almost. Um, I did see in one of the buff books, somebody, somebody actually did road test one, um, but it, it, it didn't change. And I said to him, you know, if you're, you know, one of the things you might remind somebody at the end of the story, and of course, TV's a little bit different. Everything's sort of, you know, advertising, but I said, you almost might want to say, Hey, if you want to look at a bunch of EVs and plugins and gasoline cars, go to the auto show. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Let's talk to Mike. Michael? Yes. Good morning, Cod. Hi. How are you today? Good. How are you? So, uh, can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. So, so do you ever give anyone a car for Christmas? No, but I've given enough Causeway at Christmas to family members that makes up for it, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> a place to give. Hey, I got uh, a question and a request. Let me do the request first. Okay. Is, could you sometime next year get on your program somebody who's not connected with the auto industry who can explain leasing a car? Uh, I, I liked your comment last uh, last week's Globe where you you know, buy an appreciating asset, lease a depreciating asset. Yeah. I thought that was it, it was a buzzword. Yeah, but. yeah it was. Uh, that was actually uh, who said that? Who said that? Uh, the steel magnet. Um, Carnegie. Yeah, Carnegie. 
actually Jay said Carnegie. that. Yeah, yeah. Carnegie. Well, I, I I think that you know there's a ton of profit, and it's a tricky you know it's one thing negotiating, but there's a lot of math involved, and I think it'd be helpful. Because they make a lot of profit, like they'll 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 charge you for me. You can buy a car at one price, and they'll give you the MSRP for the lease price. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate it if you can get somebody yeah, on I'll on see, board. I'll see what I can do. Okay, and second question quickly is rear wheel drive car. You know, you and I drove rear wheel drive cars for years in the snow. If you buy a, a let's say a new rear wheel drive car and put four snow tires on it, you know I never had a problem. Do you think that's still goes today especially with the new rubber we have today oh sure it should be able it should be it shouldn't be a problem no know? in fact uh this was probably 10 or so years ago uh someone i know went out and bought a rear wheel drive dodge charger and they said and they're like everybody said to him oh that car's going to be horrible in the winter what what were you thinking and they went out and they put snow tires on it the combination of snow tires uh, traction control and stability control they never had a problem with it yeah, you that's know, what I thought. You know, and, and think about, think about you know, there isn't many of them left anymore, but every time you see a, a police car that's a Crown Victoria. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, they, they put snow tires on them, and, and, you know, they've been getting around forever. So, you know, one of the things about, you know, front-wheel drive or, or all-wheel drive, and the best example of that is the pickup truck this morning on the way here, um, you know, icy road. I don't care if it's all-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, front-wheel drive. It's not going to make any difference. You can't you can't beat the law of physics sometimes. And you know this this pickup truck was a good example. It was in, it was in motion, and uh, and you know the only reason it came to a stop is it hit an immovable object, which was the which was a twelve-inch tall curbing around the rotary, and uh, and you know so it it wasn't going to make any difference. But that same vehicle with good winter tires on it, those winter tires might have actually been a little stickier and maybe would have given them a little bit more control than, than conventional tires. So, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, will front-wheel drive be better than rear-wheel drive? Yeah, because you put you put a 1,200-pound engine over the front wheels, which gives it more traction. But um, but rear-wheel drive with the right tires on it, I've driven, I've driven a, a, a Mustang, in the winter time, with no problems at all, as long as it had, as long as it had good winter tires on it, and I've driven an Audi A6 with summer tires on it in an inch of snow that I brought back home and took my own car because it was awful because it didn't have the right tires on it. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I remember my father uh, in the 1950s getting out and putting chains on the car. Oh, sure, yeah. Remember the chains? I used to drive with chains yeah. on the car. And in fact, in fact, you know, parts of the country. Um, out in the Midwest, there are roads right. where you can California. only yeah, in California yeah. where you can only drive with chains, with chains and right. you know, and they're still they're still around. I remember my very first car, like all like just about everybody's very first car was rear wheel drive, and my father worked for a plumbing wholesale company, and he brought home two hundred pound chunks of lead to put oh, the, to put the back, and uh, and I, I will admit it actually did add to add to the traction of it. But you know, looking back now, you know, if I ever gotten any kind of crash with that thing, there would have been two hundred pounds of lead firing through the back seat at me. But um, but you know, but it did it did add traction, and we, and when I did put snow tires on that car, it was actually pretty good. And I remember I even remember back. Uh, I think it was when I was first married. I, I owned a, a V eight Chevy Nova. And uh, I put a set of snow tires on it. I, I was amazed at how much better it did. So yeah, you know, we've kind of forgotten that. You know, every car, every car was a was a rear wheel drive car. I remember back um, 
when Volvos were rear-wheel drive and you, you and Saabs were all front-wheel drive, and you go, well, Saabs are front-wheel drive, Volvos are rear-wheel drive. They're both built in the same country that both get a lot of snow. What's the difference? And the Volvo people will tell you, well, the difference is the tires. Put put decent tires on, on any car, you're going to end up doing a lot better. Great. Well, one last thing. Merry Christmas. You do a great job. Thanks, Mike. All right, same Bye-bye. to you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Yeah, I, mean, I, think we can get a, I think we can get a leasing expert. Yeah, not somebody from the dealership because, you know, it's, yeah, it, was, it was kind of funny. Actually, one of the, uh, one of the, the stories, stories I wrote in the column last week talked about leasing, and um, it, it was criticized by somebody who said, uh, well, yeah, if you put a substantial down payment down, you can get a car for a luxury car for $300 a month. And since then, it's because it's the kind of holiday season, I guess, even my wife said, you know, every commercial, every other commercial that's on TV, she's like $300, $299, and But she also said $4,000, $5,000, $6,000. But that's, that's, you know, that's kind of the way it is. So is there going to be a new Volkswagen Jetta? Apparently there is. Volkswagen is counting on a much improved driving dynamics and more technology, more fuel-efficient gasoline engine. It's like Volkswagen never – their their plans are pretty remarkable because they had – this whole diesel thing, where they where they cost them billions of dollars, and you wouldn't you would think they never even noticed. You know, it's like they're building electric cars, they're redoing their Jetta, they you know more fuel efficient gasoline powertrain to win customers for its redesigned Jetta. Volkswagen's best selling model, which will debut in Detroit Auto Show next month, will adopt a coupe like profile. So it it looks a lot like the uh, like the the. Um, the Volkswagen, what was it called? The CC Coupe, I think, or something. It was a four-door coupe. Looks like the same idea. Um, the sedan is moving on to the brand's global MQB platform. It's uh, our high-volume car, so this car is a high has high-volume expectation, and we really want to put a lot into uh, what's necessary to make it a great concept. Um, the new Jetta, which will appear in U.S. showrooms in mid-2018, will still be equipped with Volkswagen's 150-horsepower, 1.4-liter turbocharged uh, four-cylinder, but it will now be made into either an eight-speed automatic or a six-speed manual gearbox. Volkswagen's platform strategy makes it possible to put luxury-level safety features into uh, more common-type vehicles, such as uh, compact sedans. Um, Volkswagen's North America region uh, said they will see the 2019 Jetta will get post-collision braking, so uh, automatic emergency braking with uh, optional blind spot monitoring, rear parking assist, and adaptive cruise control. Uh, the 2019 Jetta will come with standard LED front and rear exterior lighting, and an updated cockpit largely will mirror the design of the European 2018 Golf with available Apple CarPlay, Android Auto-compatible infotainment. Uh, they haven't announced any pricing on it. If you haven't driven a car with Apple CarPlay, I have a few times. Sometimes it works great. Sometimes it doesn't. I'm actually driving a Kia Rio right now. So, you know, just sort of a basic little Econobox, sort of a little four-door, four-seat um, little car, but it has Apple CarPlay in it. And... You know, I plugged in my charging cable to my iPhone and plugged it into it, and the the Apple CarPlay app came up. And in this Kia, it actually works really well. Um, I was able to 
use my navigation off my phone, which transferred to the screen on the dash. So it was like having a built-in navigation system. And what's nice is it updates automatically um, off of my phone. What doesn't happen with a... uh, with a regular installed navigation system, if you're driving through the tunnel in Boston, well, eventually you're going to lose the cell phone and satellite signal, and the system's going to say it doesn't know where it is. Where if you have a navigation system built into your car, what happens is even though it loses all of that, the car, the system in the car still knows what's going on. So it knows essentially what direction you're traveling and how fast you're going. And it basically assumes you haven't gone off the road. So it continues. So when you come out at the end of the tunnel, it's seamless and it goes right back to the satellite navigation where the phone app doesn't do that. Uh, but other than that, I also like to listen to TuneIn Radio. Uh, occasionally I like to listen to radio that's not available locally. So I want to hear what's going on in Florida, for instance. So there's a little radio station in Florida that I listen to um, on TuneIn, and I could click the TuneIn app on my phone, or actually on the screen on the car. It connects to the phone, and I was able to hear that. Um, And it also even brought up things which may be not so good, I'm driving down the road, a little message comes up on the screen, a reminder that I had something to do at 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon. Well, I was headed there, so I knew I was going to do it. But, you know, some of those are good, some of them aren't. But, um, you know, just the idea that it was pretty seamless, built into the car, it was an app, Um, just kind of a a, a way to keep your car up to date. Too often you hear of what happens sometimes when – you buy a navigation system and you need to update the maps. And there's a fee for that. Well, your phone just does it automatically. Well, you know, we were talking about EVs. Is it changing? Well, Porsche crossovers may go EV. Porsche will make a final decision next year whether to build a full battery electric or coupe version of its Cayenne and McCann, McCann crossovers. Speaking of which, I was in Boston Wednesday. In Cambridge, actually. And I saw a Porsche Uber. So, I guess when you own an $80,000 Porsche, you have to make the payments the best you can, so you become an Uber driver. And it was a, it was actually a, a Cayenne, so it was a four-door sport utility vehicle. And, you know, there was a guy sitting in the back, and, you know, they, you know, did whatever he did on his phone and paid for his Uber ride. And I'm like... Really? That's kind of interesting. Uh, but anyway, back to back to the story. Um, Porsche uh, CEO told Automotive News at an auto show that the company will introduce its next electric mobility project in the first half of 2018. The second project will follow an electric sports sedan based on the Mission E concept, which is due in 2019. Uh, we have to check if it makes sense for a Porsche to, to come with an SUV. Um, well, they already have that, but the so-called Mission E isn't going to be the last project in mobility will continue, and that's very clear. Porsche executives have said that the electric version of Macan compact crossover is a possibility. The regular Macan is due to be redesigned in 2022. 
Porsche has also been said to be developing a coupe body style for the Macan that likely would arrive as an EV in 2021 or 2022. Um, they acknowledge the potential for a coupe variance in Macan and um, Cayenne crossover. Why? Why? Why would they? Why would they take an SUV and turn it into a coupe? It just doesn't make sense to me. They already have. They already have all-wheel drive vehicles that can. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. But you know, I didn't think. I didn't think having a Cayenne, a Porsche Cayenne, makes sense. And they sell quite a few of them. So I remember telling the president of Porsche that. So is it just? Expensive cars that are going to switch to electrics? Well, Mini switched to electric hinges on a 2019 launch. The Mini brand is contemplating going all electric, but this decision won't be made until early next decade. Brand executives want to evaluate how the launch of an electric Mini powered in 2019 goes. The coming Mini EV, based on the Mini electric concept, Shown in September at the Frankfurt Auto Show, will join the Countryman plug-in hybrid, which went on sale uh, this summer. This shows a certain direction. We're electrifying the brand. Well, Smart electrified their brand, and I'm still not sure if they're selling too many of them. But um, we'll have to wait and see. A successful launch of the Mini EV would uh, bolster the case for electrifying across the board. A plug-in Countryman is doing well. Uh, it's sold uh, out in the U.S. With, his, with a waiting list, and he's asking for an increase in allocation of plug-in models in 2018. Mini also comes with some heritage in the EV segment. He pointed out the brand leased a fleet of 500 electric minis to customers in Los Angeles in 2008. Between now and 2019, when the new EV launches, Mini will concentrate on uh, training its salespeople for electric push and educating its customers on what they will need. Um I don't know. You know, I, and I, you know, I had an electric car when they were awful. I had a Renault Le Car electric, and it was a, um, it was awful. It was called, it was called the Electric Leopard, not electric, Electric Leopard. It was made in Acton, Massachusetts by the U.S. Electric Auto Company or something like that. I bought it from, I think I've told this story before. I was out at an event in the Sudbury area, and I was coming home, and I saw an electric car for sale. Now, I've always had an interest in weird junk, and um, I don't have a garage, so I don't have a lot of places to put things. And I saw this electric car for sale, and I wrote down the phone number, and I called the guy. And I said to him, yeah, I'm interested in the car you got for sale, the electric car. And he says to me, which one? I'm like, oh, hmm. So I said, uh, well, it was a Renault Le Car. And he said, oh, which one? I have more than one. And so I said, well, why don't I uh, come up and look at it? So I came back, and um, he had a he had one, a silver one, that only had about 1,500 miles on it. And these cars were maybe 10 years old. He had a different color one that had about 4,000 miles on it. He had something called a city car, which was kind of a glorified golf cart. And he had a city car that was added, that the company added onto the front bumper and put in four more batteries right behind the front bumper, which is not a great place to put batteries. Um, So it would go a little bit faster. And um, so I looked at it and I said, all right. Okay, um, I'll take the 
Lacar with the uh, with the lowest mileage on it. So I came back the next day with money, and it wasn't it wasn't a lot. I think it was fifteen hundred dollars or something. So I came back the next day, and I hear all this noise going on in the background, and he's cutting the roof off a of Porsche, and turning it into sort of a speedster. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And while I was in his backyard, I noticed he had a windmill that had fallen down. So he had this big windmill that blew over in a storm or something. And apparently he lived off the grid for a while because he also had a bunch of deep cycle batteries that the windmill would charge up the batteries, the batteries would run an inverter, and it would run his house. So then I said to him, yeah, you know, I came back to buy the car. And he said, well, let's go in. i got to get the paperwork. So we go in uh, go into his house, and it's a big raised ranch, probably 60 feet long, maybe, big, good-sized house. And I go up go up the stairs to the house, and there's a motorcycle apart in the living room and something else apart someplace else and a bunch of antique guns on his kitchen table. And my first comment after looking at all this stuff, I could have said a lot of things, but my first comment to him was, you're not married, are you? And he said, no, why? I said, oh, just a guess based on, you know, the, the motorcycle in the living room and the guns in the kitchen table. But um, but he handed me um, the paperwork and a bill of sale. And this car had never actually been registered. So it had the original certificate of origin from when the vehicle was built. So I went to the registry of motor vehicles. And I think I went to the Plymouth registry because I figured Plymouth wasn't going to be as crowded. And I went in there and... They said to me, well, you're going to have to pay all the interest and penalties because this car has never been registered. So it's like it's a brand new car. And I said, well, I'll pay it based on the cost of it. And they said, no, no, you have to pay it based on not being registered for all these years. And I said, well, there has to be, some, there has to be somebody I can talk to about arguing the point that I shouldn't have to pay. I'll pay the sales tax on what I paid. And I'll even pay the sales tax on maybe what it was when it was new, but I don't think I should have to pay the interest and penalties on not paying the sales tax. So the guy says to me, uh, well, you can go meet with somebody over there. The supervisor comes in. Well, they should be in now, but they're not. So I go to the supervisor's door, and there's like four people sitting on a bench. I said to them, you waiting to get in there? And they said, yeah. I said, how long have you been there? I've been here since 830. It's like 10. I'm like, oh, this isn't going good. So... I sat for a while and gave up, and all I wanted to do was register my car. So I took all the same paperwork, and I came to the old Quincy registry. And there's a guy behind the counter at the Quincy registry. And he looks at me and goes, this thing ever been registered? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I think so. I must have been. It's, it's 10 years old. It had to be. And he goes, oh, all right. So he does the paperwork. And he literally has my license plates sitting on the counter. And he's just having trouble. And he says, hang on a second. I'm going to go out back. And he goes out back. And now I'm thinking he's talking to the person in Plymouth. You know, they got some conversation going on how I'm a deadbeat. And they're trying to, you know, get me to pay the interest and penalties for the past 10 years on registering this car. And he comes back. And he was a younger guy. And he comes back with this older woman. And she comes over and goes, what's the problem here? And I said, I don't know. And she goes, has this thing been registered before? And I said, I just bought it. I, I, I don't know. And she looks at it and goes, and, he, and she looks at him and goes, what's your problem? 
And he goes, I'm just trying to put the information in, and it won't accept the name of the car. And it will accept the very short vehicle identification number because instead of being 16 digits, it was only like eight because they only made that many cars. And she looks at that and goes, and he said, well, the other thing, it's electric, and we don't have an electric category. So she says, just put in one cylinder. I'm like, well, that isn't right, but okay. And um, so then she goes, she goes, well, what, what else? What, what's your problem here? Why can't you? And he goes, I, I can't, I can't put in electric leopard. There's no such car as electric leopard. And she goes, try electric. And he goes, okay. So he puts an electric leopard, and it accepts it. And she looks at him, and goes, screw it, close enough. And they printed out my registration, handed it to me, and I walked out the door. But I'm, but I'm like, oh, well. Nothing's right about this. It says it's a one-cylinder gas car with the wrong name on it. And then I think I had the car for about six months, and I found the guy at the registry. And it was in the old Boston registry office, and he was like a guy sitting by himself in an office with paperwork all around him. And he, like, literally looked, you know, had the green visor on and just, like, like nobody talked to him. And I went in and I said to him, you know, I get this registration and it's an electric car and, you know, it says it's gas and it says it's electric and it's really electric. And he goes, I can fix that. And he, like, did something and printed it out. And he said, all right, you're all set. And and I, I felt like I said, no one really comes up here much, do they? They don't talk to you or anything. And he was just, like, sitting by himself and he had a whole stack of registrations or something he was working on. But he, he looked like the loneliest guy sitting there. It was kind of a funny thing. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. And this is where I always get in trouble because I don't always read the articles I tear out of the paper. It says, think Lennon would have liked a trip in this baby. It says, Rolls-Royce dealership, Brahman in Miami. Mark, this month's art-based Miami Beach, America's premier concept art show with a note, perfect rendition of Beatle John Lennon's psychedelic Rolls-Royce from the swinging 60s, the original Lennon vehicle, the yellow submarine uh, uh, Phantom uh, 5, a fifth, Generation Phantom celebrated its 50th anniversary, so this year the Brahmin version, based on a 2018 Rolls-Royce Ghost, was the centerpiece of the um, 2017 art event. Our goal was to create an artistic showstopper in our showrooms to celebrate art. Basil is what they're calling it, said Ken Hart. He's the general manager of Brahmin Miami. We had the idea of recreating John Lennon's iconic yellow submarine Rolls-Royce. Our team pulled it off impeccably. It combines nostalgia with one of the most advanced automobiles in the world. We've had people flocking to see this, and we can't wait to see who ends up purchasing this incredible piece of art on wheels. The car will be located in the Rolls-Royce Motor Car Miami showroom. Besides uh, Rolls, Brahman Miami's franchises are Bugatti, Bentley, BMW, Cadillac, and oddly, Mini and Hyundai. <laughs> so I guess if you're, if you're there, you know, go see it. Uh, let's talk to Peter. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, John. How are you? I'm doing good. And you? Good. Good. I got, I got a story um, better than John Lennon and better than your electric car mm. registry saga. Okay. <laughs> um, members of the uh, Etzel Club found uh, Eisenhower's Citation Convertible. Really? An Eisenhower's Citation Convertible, yes. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
So it only gets weirder, John, as we move along here. When did, so, uh, so it was, so Eisenhower had an Edsel Citation convertible? Yes, uh, the White House ordered. Not to be confused with the Chevy Citation, which no, never was a convertible. Or a citation tool, which is even better. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they the White House ordered three citations, uh, two hard tops and a convertible, and um, they had to have, uh, according to Secret Service specs, they had to have a special heavy-duty wiring harness, and um, they had a problem getting the wiring harnesses into the car, and it delayed their delivery, but the um, Two of them went to the White House, and the Citation Convertible went to the Gettysburg Farm hmm. for Ike and Mamie. And uh, it was a triple black convertible. And then the car was, the uh, VIN number was not traced, or no one could trace it, except for last summer when we were at uh, Dearborn at the uh, Benson Ford Research Library, and we found the number. And we found the car in uh, Virginia. Hmm. I'm sorry, in Maryland. Hmm. And then uh, a person bought it, and now it's in Virginia. And he's going to bring it back to the original colors and uh, the whole thing. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, if you if you have a couple dollars left over, I know a guy who's got one of um, LBJ's uh, uh, Lincoln, Lincoln limousines. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's... Uh, <laughs> it's uh it's sitting in it's sitting in Middleborough. It's in it's in fantastic condition and it's an interesting car because it wasn't I guess when you're president they you know you get like 10 cars or something. And this was not a parade car so it doesn't have the flag holders on the front, but it has the uh the same thing. It's like they tried to get the documentation and even though they had some documentation the vehicle identification number comes back sort of weird and um what's interesting about the car is it has um it has the old rotary dial mobile phone still in it oh neat and it has uh this little button you press and these two little um crystal decanters pop up where i guess must have been where he had his uh whiskey and uh branch water or something Whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, whatever, gee, whatever he must. Do. Yeah. So you know, if, yeah, and this guy's you know, this guy plans on selling it. So you know, if you if you're if you're a customer for it, I can put you two together. Oh, John, thank you. <laughs> you know, the stable's filled here. <laughs> and, and, anyway. and and it's not a huge limousine, so it's you know it's it's a you know typical 1960s limo. It's only probably 12 inches longer than a regular Continental. So, so that, uh, that makes yeah. it maybe, what, uh, uh, yeah, 21 Yeah, yeah something like 20. that. Yeah. yeah. yeah it, <laughs> it won't, I know it won't fit on a 20-foot ramp truck. So uh, it, needs, it needs a, it needs a, a ramp truck with a 24-foot deck to, to move it around. But, uh, but it, it's, it's in amazing condition. And uh, when the guy bought it, it was sort of interesting because the guy he bought it from said to him, uh, if you ever go to sell it, I'd like first refusal on it. And the other thing is, if you if you use it, you can't use it in any political parades because I don't like any politicians anymore. <laughs> oh gosh! Wow! <laughs> oh my god! Well, yikes! That's yeah. that's a tough sell yeah. all the way around. So but, uh, so you so you think uh, so you think the there'll be a story on this uh, on this citation well, yeah. convertible? Yeah. Stuff is starting to come out through the club newsletters, okay. and uh, yeah, and uh, it's kind of a bit of a find because uh, um, 
Actually, it was Mamie's idea. She happened to be in the Oval Office when Henry Ford and um, and uh, Ernest Breach came to talk to uh, Ike about the introduction of the Etzel, and she said, "Oh, I would love to have one." Huh. So that's why they sent a convertible over to uh, the farm, where uh, they would spend their time off, and uh, so th- that's. That's the whole story with hmm. the uh, how they ended up with three Etzels in the presidential fleet. Now, now, I, and I can I can never remember the whole the whole uh, trivia story, but it uh, it has it has to do with the old time shop mechanic. And there's a there's a new guy who comes in and he says to him, uh, "Okay, you got three cars to work on uh, a uh, Citation, a Ranger, and what's a what's a third Edsel model." Uh, Pacer. Pacer. And, uh, but you're only going to need one shop manual to work on it. What kind of car is it? You know, what kind of cars are they? So, you know, yes, you know, somebody, right. somebody else would think, well, you, well, you need a, you need a Chevy manual, you need a Ford manual, you need a AMC manual, but you only needed one because he was working on three different Edsels, right? Exactly. Well, yeah, but, uh, the citation was based on a Mercury and the Ranger and the Pacer on a, on a Ford. So, so my, so my, my trivia question doesn't work that well? That, no, well, for a guy like me, it doesn't. But, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was the huge problem with them. They were two totally different yep. cars, yep. different parts, yep. and the poor mechanics and the dealerships, you know, and uh, and the customer, they didn't know, and it was it was a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I even, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think I ever worked on a on an Edsel, but I know I worked on I. I worked on a couple of checkers, and they were they were sort of the same way. It was like it, it'd be a GM alternator, it might be a Ford alternator, it might be right. you never you never knew what you were going to get when you opened the hood because it was whatever whatever worked at the time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then and then the uh, because they were built in Ford and Mercury factories, the parts weren't available, mm. so they were cannibalizing new cars out in the uh, out in the yard to keep the customers' cars running. And then they took the cannibalized cars and moving vans at the dead of night and brought them back to Detroit to try to reassemble them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the good old days. The good old, the, you know, it, it's it's amazing. You know, I, I used to hear old stories of, uh, you know, you, you talk about, you know, today's cars and quality issues. And, you know, maybe a check engine light comes on or it's got a squeak or a rattle or, you know, something fairly minor. But, you you know, talk to people in the 50s. They bought a brand new car, and you know they literally opened the back door and it fell off. You know, was, right, yeah. right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And in the, in the cold days, we were talking about it the other day. They bring in the batteries in the house to keep them warm. Well, when I first came, <laughs> when I first came to work at AAA more than thirty years ago, we used to do a get ready for winter weather, and we would say things like. Um, you know, start you know start the car every few hours to you know keep it keep the oil warmed up, so you know so it didn't get all thick from sitting overnight. Well, with synthetic oil now, you know it really doesn't change viscosity a whole heck of a lot from cold to hot. Um, we used to say take a take a um, utility light and you know put it under the hood so the heat from the light bulb would kind of warm the engine and keep it right, warm. Right, you know, put right. it a, put a an electric blanket over the engine and plug it in to, you know, keep the engine warm overnight, you know, park it against, you know, so, you know, against the building. So, you know, the wind doesn't affect the, you know, suck off any heat that's left in the engine. Um, and today's cars pretty much, you know, if you, if you keep it fairly well maintained, 
You don't do much of anything. They start up. You, they start you, up. You, they run pretty up. well. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, and, they're, and they're almost ready to go. I mean, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah, How about yeah. you remember the electric oil dipstick? Oh yeah, you, you yeah. Plug yeah. that in. That yeah. was going to keep the oil warm, and the engine was going to start. And yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know how that ever really worked because I bought yeah. one. Did it you? Didn't it? Didn't? It yeah, didn't. yeah. That's I kind of. You know, they, I I remember putting a couple of electric freeze plugs in. That oh, you take okay. the freeze, you take the freeze plug out, and you put in this thing, and it would fit in where the freeze plug did, and you, there'd be a cable that ran to that, and kind of keep the coolant warm. Uh, but yeah, I, I even remember back, uh, you know, years, years and years ago, you'd get a car that was towed in that wouldn't, you know, that wouldn't start, and you'd basically put it on a lift and put it up in the air where the heat, where the heat was, you know, at the top of the, the building, and just let it sit there for an hour, and then put it back down. It would, it would between the you know, frozen fuel lines and thick and gooey oil, the car would start right up and it run fine afterwards. So, right, uh, right. yeah, and, you know, uh, but, yeah, today today's car, and the same thing, you know, you would you would go out on a road service call and, you know, the person would say, oh, it, wouldn't, it won't start, it'll kill the battery, and you'd go and you'd jumpstart it and, and flip the, sh- the choke shut because the choke had stuck open, and, you know, you don't have those problems anymore. No, God, thank God we don't. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were beautifully styled, but uh, the rest of it was like the turn of the century. Yeah, no, know? I it, it's I did a story with one of my coworkers about uh, styling, and and uh, I I put him in touch with one of the styling people from Chrysler, and I said, you know, you still look at cars today, and you know, going back to what you know the the Aston Martin guy said, we need to do more than a three box car. But you look, you know, even look it out in this parking lot. There's a couple SUVs out here, and it's basically a box with a box on the roof, you know. And um, you know, sedans are you know sedans are all kind of the same shape because they want to try to get the aerodynamics of them. And um, you know, they're all trying to maximize fuel economy, so they have to be slippery. Yeah, the cars in the the cars in the forties and fifties and yeah, even into the '60s, they had very specific style to them. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, you, you could tell an Etzel coming down th- uh, six blocks away. You know, that's what they said. Well, well, they, you know, some people thought that was good, and some people didn't. Most didn't, but but but, but, but you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Exactly, yeah. John. Exactly, right. <laughs> Hey Peter, always good to hear from you. Oh, well, thank you, John. All right, and I'll I'll send you something on the uh, Ike's uh, Ike Citation Convertible. Yeah, that'd, that'd be kind of neat to see. Okay. All right. All have right. have a good Christmas. Christmas Merry Christmas to you as well. Take care. And thank you for all the tickets and all the goodies. All right. Sure thing, Peter. Right, Take care. Bye bye. Yeah. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. I bet it's time to take a break and pay some more bills. You know, it's Christmas bill time. You got to pay the bills even here. Why don't we do that? My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL. We'll be right back. I saw one of Santa's helpers at the grocery store today. He was standing at the front door giving candy canes away. And I told him I was worried about a certain situation. How Santa gonna get here? Almost ready 
Sullivan Tire is ringing in the holidays with terrific deals on quality tires. Receive $100 in instant savings on a set of four Goodyear tires. Plus, get up to a $200 mail-in rebate on select tires, such as the Goodyear Weather Ready Tire, Goodyear's best all-weather traction tire for anything winter has in store. Remember, our ASC certified technicians are the best in the business and will keep your vehicle running right all season long. Check out our new website, SullivanTire.com, where it's now easier than ever to find your tires online and make service appointments. That's SullivanTire.com. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing during the decline in the U.S. economy, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800 642 If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-642-9531 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-642-9531 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-642-9531. Come join WROL for the Keep the Faith Christmas Marathon. Featuring artists such as Amy Grant, Third Day, Chris Tomlin, Mercy Me, and many more. Tune in nightly up through Christmas. On 9.50 a.m. WROL, the spirit of Boston. You're listening to The Car Doctor. And welcome back to the Card Arts program. Now, this is, this is, I guess people probably knew this, and I didn't see it quite as much, but uh, that Tesla um, semi-truck that you sort of stand up inside, which sounds sort of weird, um, but uh, the Pepsi company is ordering 100 of them. So PepsiCo has reserved 100 of Tesla's new electric semi-trucks, the largest known order of the big rig is, uh, the maker of Mountain Dew soda and Doritos chips seeks to reduce fuel costs and fleet emissions. I have seen a, um, I have seen a Coca-Cola electric delivery vehicle before, big box truck. Um, and in case you're somebody who's really into very simple or complex trivia, there's a new logo for Mini. Mini has redesigned the logo with a more minimalist approach to its traditional double-wing design. The new look uh, has uh, just more of a straight lines around the circle. It doesn't look like wings so much anymore. So, interesting. There, there was a picture I saw in a magazine, and it's of a tire machine. And if you've been around for a long time, if you've ever changed a tire the old, old, old-fashioned way, maybe you used a, uh, a bead breaker and then you took tire irons and you, you spooned off the tire by hand. Or maybe you had a uh, manual tire machine where you used a bead breaker and then it was a big bar that you kind of caught it under there and, and pulled the tire around off the edge. Um, or 
more what I was used to, uh, coach 2020 and 4040. And um, now they have this tire machine by Hunter, and it's called the Revolution Walkaway Tire Machine, I guess is what it's called. As its name suggests, the addition of the walkaway operation of Hunter's established Revolution Tire Changer allows the technician to do tire balancing and other shop work during the longest part of the tire changing process. Uh, Hunter estimates the use of the walkaway can cut time required for tire changing and balancing by 25%, reducing operator effort and potential errors. So basically the machine does everything on its own. You just... You don't even pick the tire up. It's a, a thing that picks the tire up, puts it on the machine. It breaks it down, takes it off, and then I guess you you must have to come over and put the start the tire on the machine. But and it's only forty thousand dollars. <laughs> uh, but I, I was like, Gee. well, I was I was in a Votech school, and they had well they had two of the newest tire machines there, um, and one of them I looked at. I don't even have, have, have a clue. If somebody said to me, I'll, I'll you know, give you $100 to change a tire, I would probably need all day to figure it out because it had more foot pedals and things and stuff. And, you know, considering the first job I ever had was in a tire store, it was kind of interesting looking at this tire machine. I had not a clue how to use it. But, uh, you know, that's, that's what happens. This is an interesting story, which, um, again, I probably should read the stories before I actually talk about them on the air. But it says, um, letting technicians fix their own cars in a dealership, uh, is it a morale builder or a liability? Uh, This uh, uh, Nelio Audi encourages its service technicians to feed their passion for their vehicle maintenance after the workday ends. That's when the Sacramento, California dealership invites techs back to the shop to work on their own vehicles and trucks. The service bays and tools, including the hoist, and are at the tech's disposal when the shop is closed to customers on weekdays and Saturday evenings and Sundays. They can repair personal vehicles and those of immediate family members at no charge. Um, at all the Nelio Group's 14 dealerships, uh, they permit the practice. Dealership executives say it enhances loyalty and job satisfaction among technicians, but critics contend it also adds to dealerships' potential liability without a financial benefit. I suppose some of it could be if somebody was uh, bringing in cars that weren't family members and they were, uh, you know, you don't take away the customers that are already there. But um, Gary Schmidt, he's a uh, Nelio auto technician, says he may use the shop after hours twice a month or every weekend for a month, depending on on the job. Uh, he His projects range from routine maintenance, such as oil changes, to pulling out powertrains and changing a head gasket on his sister-in-law's Ford Escape. Uh, using a dealership shop for a head gasket job was a huge benefit because I couldn't have done this at home. Matt Phelan, the general manager of the dealership, says shop nights used to be common in the dealership where he worked. When I was a young guy, I remember the techs were allowed to do that. Uh, This has been around for a long time. Uh, Phelan says After Hours program was popular at the Audi dealership when he joined the dealership eight years ago. It's shop culture. It breeds a positive attitude, letting techs work on their personal vehicles after hours. May gone out of style because of growing concerns about safety and liability among dealerships, uh, says the president of Fixed Performance Inc., a fixed ops consulting firm in Ohio. Uh, What 
if there's an injury or an equipment failure and no one is on site to witness it or get involved right away, well, then maybe you have a rule that there has to be at least two people working. You can't work by yourself. Um, they agree the shop nights can build loyalty among dealership technicians, but if a tech is hurt or a vehicle is damaged, he warns the dealership could get blamed. I've seen examples personally where these uh, gentlemen's agreements happen and everybody's okay with those, he says, but when it turns ugly, it's too late. Phelan says he lost a close relative to a shop accident. He insists that he and his employees are proactive and hypersensitive to workplace safety. Nelio's auto Audi service department has safety procedures. All the techs must follow, even when they work on their own vehicles. For example, he says they must open a repair order for their personal vehicles so they're covered by employee insurance if they're injured. No tech has damaged a personal vehicle working after hours. But if it were to happen, he says, the techs understand that the dealership would not bear any responsibility. Um, we have access to all the equipment and facility here. I'm grateful to have the opportunity, says one of the techs. I think it's a really good idea. I think it's something that works out works out for everyone. And it does. I mean, I, you know, that, that was something where I worked. It was always sort of a... I don't know if it was an after-hours sort of thing, but it was always one of those things where you could you could be you could be there and get some work done. And um, I know some places do something a little bit unique. They actually you can't work on your own car, but you can have one of your coworkers work on your car at a very reduced rate. You know, like twenty dollars an hour or something, which I also thought was a pretty good idea. Hey, there's uh, Santa Claus Sullivan over there. I have um, four words of advice for everyone this morning. Uh, stay in the house. The, that works. But I was going to say, walk like a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> That's rough out there. It, it you know there is no slipperier slipperier is that a is that a word slipperier surface than water on top of ice. Well, it, it's phenomenal because we're driving in, and of course, you know, I'm chauffeured these days, I so see, it works yeah. well. Is that pickup truck still in the rotary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up on the yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, but the thing about it is, so I'm in the passenger seat and relatively comfortable, and the, the main roads generally are okay. But it's raining, yeah. and yet as soon as the rain hits the ground, it freezes. I guess that's what freezing rain is, but it's phenomenal to see it. I mean, you look at the the temperature and it says twenty eight. It should be snowing. It shouldn't be raining. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a little confused. You know, as I was driving here this morning, I was doing doing the same thing, and I I walked out of my back door, and uh, it was it was like <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah. and I don't usually because I'm a idiot. I don't usually I don't usually like grab the railing. I was like holding on to the railing walking down the yeah. three stairs oh, and you, then sliding to the car. Well, you and I are at that stage in life when uh, the the I, word broken hip yeah. scares us to death. <laughs> I know. That's you exactly know? right. I could break a hip. Exactly. Bad things could happen. Yeah. And and you know, it, we laugh about it, but you could really you can you can hurt yourself either yeah. just walking or certainly driving. Yeah, and uh, I, the temperature is supposed to moderate so it should yeah, get better. It should should be better, but uh I I stopped at uh I was saying earlier I stopped at stop and shop and the treated roads are pretty good. It looks like the the whoever their parking lot company must have, you know, done salted their parking lot. But I parked in a spot where it must have been one of the overnight crew had left. And I got out of the car, I was like, whoop. Yeah. You know, it, and, well, I know whether forecasting is an inexact science. I, I know that, and I have... Uh, you know, I'll make fun of them, but I have great respect for the people that, that try to do that and keep us safe. But um, I think they missed this one. I think they, they thought it was going to be warmer 
sooner mm. than mm. it actually is. It's it's still around. We're in Quincy where it's supposed to be warmer than some other places, and it's still probably about five degrees lower than they thought it was going to yeah. be at this time of the yeah. day. No, so it, be it careful. is. It, yeah, if you're out, you know, wait. Wait till this afternoon a little bit. So you don't need you don't need to be out right now. Um, it's it's it is it can be pretty treacherous in some areas. So. Well, I said to Claire, you know, I, I don't want a present if you have to risk your life to get it for me. I don't. Right. I'm right. not that important. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I am. But you are. You, you are. But I mean? not. But but it's just a present. It's right. Just a, yeah. It's you just can get thing. it on the 26th at half price. Exactly. Hey, that piano guy's playing. My favorite. He he braved the ice, the yeah, elements, the yeah, weather. Yeah, I mean, the, he's always here. Piano guy doesn't stop for anything. Mr. Dependable. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, well, that means the very best in Irish music is coming up with Paul Sullivan. Hey, and Merry the, Christmas, guy. In the Irish Hit Parade. And uh, like Paul said, Merry Christmas to one and all, uh, to my radio family out there. I appreciate you tuning in every Saturday morning between 830 and 10. So until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt. Drive extra special. And extra safe. And uh, be good to you, Carl. I'll talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. W-R-O-L Boston. Sigh.